0: Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is your good Good evening. This is your good friend, the very esteemed and well-travelled Clarence Copernicus Cloverleaf, welcoming you to another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio, hosted by the host with the most, Jimmy Falcon you can always feel free to call in at six zero two seven five three one eight eight three 753 1883 to ask a question to the host or any of his well-established guests. Just please remember when calling in to be on your best behavior. This is a G-rated show, you know. Hey, that was a wicked rhyme. Anywho, just be sure to be kind and courteous. Now, on to the main event. All right, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio, and the host of the most, Jimmy Falcon, and it is an absolute honor to have back Robert Lasardo. How's it going, man?
1: Good, Jimmy. Glad to be back. How you doing?
0: Good, man. Uh, weather's a little crappy here, but I mean, you guys out uh, your way, you got the fires and everything, so...
1: That's hey, man, nice. you know what a friend of mine, her house burnt down. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: That's horrible
1: yeah right I mean the good news is she, you know, she got out a right, so you have to focus on uh, that aspect of things don't we I mean yeah, interesting too is I think in 1994 um, the same thing happened more or less they had to evacuate Malibu and uh, it was disastrous you know and it's interesting too because I talked to a buddy of mine maybe you know him Tony Moran Michael Myers you know no I you know, don't she,
0: but uh, yeah. I know who he is
1: yeah, I spoke with Tony the other day, and uh, we're you know kind of just catching up and stuff. And uh, he was telling me a very interesting story that when he was over there in the '90s, a friend of his uh, had a kid that was kind of trapped up there. So Tony got on, the, on his motorcycle and drove up there, man. Passed the cops, you know, made up some story about how he lived there, and then he basically rescued his friend's kid, there. And uh, the bike was covered in ash. It was crazy. He told me. Uh, what it was like. And he said, yeah, man, same thing happened in 1994. They had to evacuate everyone, tremendous damage. It was awful. So it seems to be cyclical, you know, or or divine intervention or somebody's intervention. I don't know what the hell is going on, but the world seems to be burning at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. It seems like you guys, uh, especially out in California with those wildfires, it's just uh, a constant thing. So it's unfortunate that people are losing their lives and they're, their homes and uh, their livelihoods to this.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't try to get morbid or nothing. I just thought I'd, you know, pay respects to that before we start talking about, you know, the land of show, so to speak. Um, I wanted to be respectful to that because it's, you know, it's, it's touched my life and people I know.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, no issues there. I guess, uh, starting off, you spent four years, uh, in the Navy. That had to be an exhilarating experience. Um, Why did you decide to go into the Navy, and uh, what are some of the things you uh, came back with that you might not necessarily have known or thought before?
1: Um, Well, as I recall, that time of my life was a very turbulent time, and um, some run-ins with the law. Family situation was basically coming undone, a lot of conflict, lots of confusion, and uh, just not really a strong sense of purpose or identity. The few friends I had at that time that I, you know, basically spent time with out in the street, more or less in the neighborhood, were catching cases, going to jail, people were disappearing. It was just not the best time. And in contrast to that, you know, I had just graduated from the high school for performing arts, you know, with this kind of honorary situation i got some kind of award and i think the thinking was from the people who cared about me the most you know mostly my acting teachers anthony apeson and jerome eskow was that i you know the, the, the logical progression would be that i'd go on to either pursue a career in acting go to some special school go to college you know go to the various uh school entities that could increase my knowledge and education experience about theater, regarding theater and stuff. But I just wasn't ready for that. I didn't even see myself as an artist, nor did I understand the contribution that I could potentially make because I didn't believe in it. I didn't see that. I knew I had fun on stage, and it was great to uh, participate. But I think that there was a lot of figuring out uh, that still needed to be explored in terms of identity. I think a lot of young men who struggle with similar situations also come up against that big bump in the road and need to figure out what they're going to do with their lives. So the military seemed like a good way for me to kind of get my, myself together, you know, and in terms of discipline, focus, and just simply logistically removing myself from the problem area, you know, program, people that are in recovery, they talk about people, places, and things. So I think that there was people, certainly places, a place in particular, that place. And, um, my own tendency towards self-destruction, which needed to be looked at very, very carefully and dealt with. And so I did. I went into the military. I got my, got my act together, so to speak. Uh, to answer the second part of the question, what I came out with was um, a world of experience, literally. You know, I traveled quite a bit, spent two years, first two years in the Aleutian Islands working with attack dogs. I was certified uh, Um, And what was I certified? I went to Lackland Air Force Base prior to going to the Aleutian Islands to get uh, certified with the attack dogs. So I got my training at Lackland. Then they basically shuttled me to the Aleutians. I spent two years with the dogs working with UDT SEALs. You know, the theory being back in the day that if the Russians were going to evade conventional warfare, they'd come through the Aleutian Islands. So the Aleutians, ADAK specifically, A-D-A-K, that island's, where I was stationed for two years was a listening post. One of the key strategic points back in the day was air base. There were mar- Marines up there. I was up there. Uh, a detachment of CBs were up there. So it was just a strategic, basically, point in case of uh, a scenario of warfare. So I spent two years there. And then the second two years, I was my orders came and I was sent to San Diego. And uh, I was uh, attached to... Uh, Was was, It was an auxiliary destroyer, USS Cape Cod. I spent two years on board ship. I did a a South Pacific cruise in 1983, went, you know, all over the world, basically, you know, like crossed the equator, went to Africa, Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Philippines, all over Asia, uh, Australia. I mean, I can't even remember half the places I went to. And that's what I I think when I started exploring various uh, spots, in ports that we uh, we landed in, uh, as far as uh, experimenting with uh, tattoos and you know tattoo shops and various artists along that journey, so it was kind of cool to start collecting souvenirs, literally, and you know, searing them into my skin, you know, as a kind of a map of where we'd been, where I'd you know what I've seen and what I'd come back with. So I came back with kind of a world experience traveling around the world, you know, getting off the ship, looking around, go wow, I'm in Australia, wow, I'm in Africa, wow, I'm in Fiji, wow, wow, you know, all this wow. But so guy growing up in Brooklyn, in a very kind of limited circumstance in terms of, you know, experience around the neighborhood, you know, the parameter of that, you know, kind of small playing field, the next thing you know, you're places you only dream about or seen on television or in movies and stuff, and then you're actually there. So I think, the physical, you know, physical education in terms of just, you know, seeing things, they're incomprehensible to me from the point of view of the Brooklyn schoolyard, so to speak, were mind-blowing. And then, you know, meeting various tattoo artists overseas, meeting people, having experiences, getting ripped or drunk too with my fellow shipmates was also a lot of fun. So there was those antics, the rite right of passage for every sailor. They came back with a lot of that stuff with literally the markings, like every good sailor, of many, many tattoos from various ports, and also an education, you know, handling the dogs, and uh, an honorable discharge, which I'm very proud of.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's very cool. It's, it's nice that you uh, found something to go do to uh, to help yourself become a better person, and a better man, and just to try to let go of certain aspects of your life that you didn't want in, uh, to be involved with anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's necessary. Uh, you know, not everybody, necess- you know, unfortunately not everyone recognizes that in time. And, and, you know, sometimes the lessons have to be so severe that it stalls, um, you know, momentum along the journey. And so, you know, I think i find found a lot of brothers I know, people I know who are just, you know, you kind know, you know, of come into a creative situation slash professional situation a bit late in the game, not so late that they can't apply these extreme experiences, but I know people suffer a great deal, sometimes more than they really need to without realizing until it's too late and the, and the gate shuts. They're like, okay, I've got to deal with this for a while. So I think I'm very fortunate in that regard that I was able to figure out early on uh, that the path I was on was going to lead probably either to death or a form of incarceration. It would definitely delay any kind of creative uh, you know, exploration of relationships.
0: Absolutely. And you've been acting for uh, over three decades now and uh, enjoyed a lot of your work. And, of course, being that you, uh, you know, had a, an interesting, you know, life growing up, uh, do you find it irritating sometimes that maybe you're typecast as the killer or the creepy guy or the prison guard or prison uh, prisoner, you know, et cetera?
1: Um, No, I don't, you know, lately I I don't feel that uh, that applies as much. I mean, there may have been a time, I mean, mean, granted, I still battle with the perception from others that don't understand the experience. You know, there's still the the mentality in in society now that still looks at body modification as a problem. Maybe it's the same people that also look at, you know, alternative lifestyles as a problem, you know, gay people, transgender, et cetera. I think the art form in terms of tattoo and artistry has progressed to such degree now that I think anyone who looks at it other than that at this point is a little bit behind the times and living kind of in isolation on the moon somewhere, man, because it just doesn't seem to be what's happening. I mean, I travel a lot. I go to tattoo conventions. I go to horror conventions. I meet people, and I – I learned through my experiences and relationships with younger people that are experimenting with this and exploring it from the creative end. So I'm, I'm fascinated and really excited that, the, you know, the evolution of that experience has grown so much. Does Hollywood embrace it? Yeah. Does Hollywood understand completely the intricacies or the inside of it? And you know, not necessarily. So I think I do. I do sometimes find myself. Sh- so frustrated that there's still a little bit of a lag with that, but it's, it's a lot better than it was. And in terms of my own experience, professionally and creatively, I've been finding lately, there's been some experiences that have been pretty significant as far as character development and the kind of stories and scripts that have been presented to me. Um, there are those that are always going to want to see a certain thing because they live vicariously through the idea of the outlaw, you know, and, I'm not, I don't knock that. I think that's fun. You know, I think there's something to be said about the nefarious aspect of uh, the human psyche. You know, the idea, you know, the, the bank robber, Dillinger, people romanticize this aspect of outlaw that they can't necessarily manifest in their own lives because they don't want to ruin their lives and go to prison. So they think they sometimes, They. they I think a great deal of the time, admire those who are courageous enough to kind of be the lawbreakers Um in the way that they live and present themselves. So any kind of character, I think, that encompasses that experience is kind of fun to portray because it's very close, I think, to my own heart. So I don't see it as an insult. Uh, it's unfortunate sometimes that the writers who create this material are not intelligent enough to understand the experience and the various levels of it. So they, they marginalize it or they trivialize that experience. And you know, I try to authenticate it as best I can. So sometimes that can be challenging. But uh, as far as the marketplace now, man, there's been opportunities to explore characters that serve humanity rather than, you know, um, insult humanity by constant lessons of depravity and and degradation, you know, and and the tearing down of life. Uh, There's stories now that encompass hope and faith, reclamation, things like that that I've been a party to that I'm grateful, you know, to see manifest, you know. And so I think we've come a long way, all of us who've on the in the in the sense on the periphery that don't participate in mainstream groupthink, um there's been definitely some uh some changes and a, a bit of a shift paradigm shift in that regard so I'm, I'm happy for that I'm, I'm glad I've lived long enough to see it well, that's good
0: because uh you know you're you're a really nice guy you're uh you know there's nothing Nothing scary about you in real life. I just think you know it's kind of like I've talked to people from uh, from Iran or Yemen or Saudi Arabia and talk about terrorists and people think they're automatically a terrorist. It's just, it's just kind of kind of along my thinking was it's just kind of unfortunate that sometimes you know you're you're being yourself and you're a great guy but you're still uh, maybe here and there being held down by
1: uh, some uh, interesting roles. I think it'll, a lot of that has to do with where you're. And who you surround yourself with. You know, so I think that, yeah, it's 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 a drag, but I also think that one has to consider the people that they engage and sometimes that mentality I, I think in my opinion that mentality suggests more what's going on with that person, the ignorance that's clearly there than than anything that has to do with me or anybody else. So it's kind of yeah, it is kind of unfortunate and sad that you have to deal with people who have small minds and have not lived that much, and project uh, a you know a, a very uh, I don't know just a a very juvenile perspective that has nothing to do with any real life experience or insight. You know, so if, if people are in fact doing that, I think it says more about them than it does what they're looking at. And, you know, and so I think it has to do with who you surround yourself, the circumstances in which you live. The kind of communities that you you know deal with, and even the ones that are not so evolved, you still, I think, you know, it can be very challenging. I think for me to transcend that arrogance that you kind of uh, you hint at when I go into public places and people get fearful because they've been trained by media and become wow. willing slaves to media and zeitgeist to, to react to what they've been trained to believe rather than learn independently of that through their own experience intelligence to learn what who people are and be courageous enough to investigate that. Uh, and so through that comes great growth. I was fortunate enough, Jimmy, to grow up in situations where there's multicultural background. You know, I grew up in various communities for, for people who all walks of life. So I learned early on how to be a chameleon out of necessity. So I just, you know, I embrace people, you know, basically as I would like to be embraced and, kind of focus on the heart of the matter, not what it looks like and all that kind of stuff, because that doesn't really mean anything, man. We're all going to get old someday, and the body's going to decay and deteriorate, and the artifice becomes irrelevant anyway. And maybe the ego doesn't like to address that or recognize that because there's so much stock and narcissism in the reflection in the mirror. But if you can get past the costume, past the mask, and see into the heart of the matter and recognize your brothers and sisters as they truly are, in life, then you can learn to have conversations that are insightful, I think. And like I said, embrace the heart of the matter than rather what things look like or appear to be.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm very uh, happy that I was raised uh, to love everybody. You know, you can't necessarily hate someone or not talk to someone or be scared of someone just because of the way they look or, like you mentioned, the way that Hollywood portrays these people, because it's uh, it's not always true. And uh, before I get to the last question, I wanted to ask you about we've um, talked about some some of your other works in the past, but I did want to ask about Blue Streak, which that was almost 20 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a freaking hilarious movie. Uh, what was it like uh, working on Blue Streak with uh, Martin Lawrence?
1: Um, Martin was actually kind of nice. He was uh, kind of Quiet to himself. Uh, for me what was fun about it, it was a reunion for me and uh, Billy Forsyth. I don't know if you remember William Foresight. Oh yeah. He's been a lot of stuff, extremely prolific career. So I got to to talk to uh, William for a little while and I think it was Les Mayfield, the director on that. Les Mayfield, he was actually very nice. And so overall I thought, yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun to do. It was just one of those kind of experiences where you go in, you do your thing and you leave, but you know, sometimes when you do studio movies, um, you know, because you're dealing with the corporate mentality of those, you know, the people who run the show sometimes, um, you know, it's contagious The kind of the, 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 uh, the superficial kind of climate that those movies sometimes, you know, those, those sets can be, I don't know, they just, it, 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 a lot of people tiptoeing around worried about saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing because they'll offend the powers that be you know kind of like in any workplace that's you know uh, like that and so I, you know it's nice it was nice for me to work on a set where I didn't feel that that was the case and everybody's very friendly and and you know and uh, and I had a good time it was fun and I got paid <laughs> and I like yeah and someone told me, "Hey, Robert, you know it's the number one movie." I was like, "Oh, cool!" I didn't actually go see it when it came out in the theaters. I don't always go see the films I'm in, but I was excited that uh, it made such impact. You know, I'm sure Martin Lawrence clearly he's very talented in what he does, and uh, for that during that period, that time, that was the I guess that was the the sensation. So it was kind of nice to be part of the cast. You know, William Forsythe, Martin Lawrence, Peter Green. There's a collection of actors and actresses in that movie that really went on to do some really cool stuff. Oh, absolutely.
0: And, of course, uh, this weekend is Dark History Con, and uh, you're graciously joining us again. Um, So we got that to look forward to. That's the 16th through the 18th uh, in Urbana, Illinois, for anybody who's curious. Um, As far as that goes, uh, what's the future hold for you? I know you've got a lot of movies you're working on.
1: Yeah, I'll just list them, and I won't bore the audience with a lot of uh, industry details. Um, Clint Eastwood's new one, The Mule, December 14th, um, that's coming out uh, right before Christmas, I think right December 14th, so literally a couple of weeks right before Christmas. I had a great experience working with Clint Eastwood. He He directed that is playing the lead in that along with Bradley Cooper, Andy Garcia, Michael Pena, and a whole cast of incredible actors. Um, So that was exciting. What else? Um, Cynthia, Devin Downs, Kenny Gage, another directorial debut, collaborated with them again. The infamous uh, director duo uh, who brought you Anarchy Parliament. Uh, So Cynthia, Sid Haig, uh, Bill Mosley, Scout Taylor Compton, All Are the Leads, or actually I think, yeah, and I was fortunate enough to participate in that one too. That just came out, I think, maybe a few weeks ago. So check out Cynthia on various multimedia platforms. Check out Silencer, uh, action movie, uh, just came out about a month or two ago. Danny Trejo, myself, um, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Johnny Messner plays the lead in that. I thought he did a great job. And I'm currently working on, what, The Talking Tree, a uh, story of reclamation. Young man goes to prison. It's, uh, his, his wish is to be released so he can see his dying mother. The reason he ends up in prison is because um, he robs a bank to pay for her medical bills because she has no insurance. Um, I play a character that, kind of, that helps to um, inspire him to fight the good fight ultimately so he can eventually be released. Uh, that we can be released together and see his mom before she passes away. So that's a very kind of touching, endearing type story along the lines of what I was describing before about stories of hope and reclamation. It's called the talking tree. Uh, let's see, uh, you know, Todd Bridges, myself, um, Sally Kirkland, she plays the mother that I described. So that's going to be interesting. And what else, American Desert, that's coming out next year. So, yeah, has a list of stuff, man. Like I said, I don't want to bore the audience with a bunch of titles, but uh, <laughs> I think the most, I think, you know, in terms of uh, proximity, December 14th, The Mule, Clint Eastwood. Check it out.
0: All right, Robert. Well, thank you so very much for uh, giving me another chance and another opportunity to talk with you, man. It's always an honor, and I look forward to uh, seeing you this weekend, man. Where, where's some nice warm stuff.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the warning, man. I'm uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do that. I'll fact that away. Right on. All
0: right. Thanks again, man. Have a great night.
1: You too. Take care. See you then.
0: All righty, man. All righty, guys. If you just happen to join us, my dogs are barking, but if you just happen to join us, as always, you missed the interview. I don't mean as always, but you know, As I always spiel, if you missed the interview, just now tuned in. Of course, you can wait about 20 minutes, and the show will be in the archive, available for download. And you guys should check that out. Of course, uh, Robert Lozardo is going to be joining us at Dark History and Horror Con, November 16th, 17th, and 18th. That's right, this weekend at the Garden Hotel in Urbana, Illinois, DHHCon.com or Dark History and HorrorCon on Facebook for more details. It's going to be stack-packed and all that, and the place you want to be this weekend. We are going to be back tomorrow. Actor-writer-producer Todd Duffy joining us, aka Goofy Chowsky's waiter, Brian, from Office Space, making his return to the show. He was also in Barney and Friends Bucking Vampire Slay, The Drew Carey Show, and Prank Boys. He's actually working on a book so uh, I hope you hear some more about that. November 21st, actor, singer, voiceover, artist, social media star Eric Shewitt joining us. This guy's blowing up on the web, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. This guy's got more likes than my grandpa would say. Carter's got little liver pills. Little level. <laughs> liver pills. Oh, my goodness. So we will see you guys tomorrow for Todd Duffy. And, of course, I hope to see all of you this weekend in Urbana for Dark History and HorrorCon. Big thanks again to Robert Lassardo, And thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. Have a great night.